good to have you. I want to do one other little uh, update uh, on folks at church. Uh, unfortunately, we've uh, got two very special people in our church in hospital at the moment. And uh, Janine Penicelli was involved in a head-on collision a week ago, uh, or just over a week ago. And um, she was down at Braintree Rehab, and I know a bunch of you were actually planning to go visit her this afternoon, but uh, unfortunately they've had to send her back to uh, Boston Medical Center to, um, to cast her, her broken right, right arm um, and um, uh, whatever. So uh, don't go down to Braintree Rehab, <laughs> she won't be there. Don't go down to Boston Medical Center because uh, they, don't take, uh, they, they don't take visitors um, there. Uh, I'll let you know what's happening. And uh, the other person that was in hospital was uh, Lily Boss. She had brain surgery. She's probably one of, the, uh, one of the many very popular youth in our church. And uh, I think uh, from all reports, the surgery went really well. Um, uh, at this point, I think Meredith, the mom, is probably more fatigued. Uh, she's sleeping at the hospital trying to take care of, of uh, Lily. And uh, I think the, the improvement is somewhat sort of discouraging from Lily's standpoint in that, you know, the day afterwards, she's not running around playing soccer. It's uh, incremental, slow, slow improvement. But um, the surgeon was very uh, uh, pleased with the surgery. It went well. So uh, just a quick update um, on that. I, I just know many of you have uh, been asking and trying to find out and trying to visit. And I just don't want to send you running all over the place. Um, and uh, I'm not sure when Lily's scheduled uh, to come home. It may be uh, tomorrow. Uh, I think the plan would be for her to be at home for 10 days before she can go back to school, and then it would be like three months before she can uh, resume uh, all activities. Anyway, so uh, just a little bit of internal uh, update. Uh, if you don't know these folks, of course, that means absolutely nothing to you, but uh, for many of us, these... These folks are just like sort of part of who we are as a church, and, and we just uh, really uh, love them and, and uh, grieving for them, quite honestly. But uh, I am talking about, uh, I'm doing a series where I've been talking about joy and uh, talking about God's perspective on joy and how we can uh, receive joy and what gives us joy. And uh, it's kind of a mysterious thing because uh, the things that we think will make us joyful aren't always the things that God thinks will make us joyful. And uh, more sort of intriguingly is, what do we do? How do we go about it uh, to actually get in sync with the things that uh, God is saying will, will give us joy? And uh, today I want to talk about uh, this idea of uh, getting joy out of serving. You know, it's sort of an upside down concept where as we serve others, we receive joy. Now, it's also something that our church, generally speaking, has done really well at. I mean, I'm just really proud of the people in this church because people in this church have a serving heart. I mean, just people just give and they just serve and they're always trying to ask, you know, how can I help out? And, and uh, even with uh, these folks that I mentioned that are sick, I mean, you know, both the, at both their homes, somebody's put a cooler out on the deck and people are just dropping your food. And, and uh, you know, it's just, it's really just 
there's a attitude of wanting to help and serve out, uh, help out and serve. But you know, we just got this big hurricane roaring up the coast, and it devastated Haiti. And it was just not that long ago that Haiti had an earthquake, and they haven't recovered from that. And you know, we're trying to see, well, how does a little bitty church like ours make a difference in in that? And uh, and then we. Uh, just finished doing a drive last weekend where we had a little box at the back saying, hey, there's flood victims in Louisiana and how can we help those guys? And, you know, you can bring some stuff in and uh, we'll coordinate getting that down to them. Uh, and so now we've got, you know, another major storm. And it, it, you get a point where you start feeling fatigued. It's like, are these like once in a hundred year storms that seem to be happening every five years? I mean, like, what, what's up with that? You know, and how many times can you really ask people, okay, can we help out again? Can you help out again? And, and uh, so, you know, we're we asking, like, how do we do this? And how do we sustain that? Uh, I do know that, you know, when we can help locally, uh, it's much easier or there's more connection than if we say, okay, we're going to help internationally. Uh, you, you know, we're going to help Haiti. It's easier to help Milford, uh, which we did, uh, where, we, where the youth center was saying, hey, you know, we don't have enough basketballs. Uh, could we do a, a drive and get a whole bunch of basketballs for the youth that show up and want to play there? And, you know, we, we had a good response on that and I'm really grateful for that. So there is a sense of, okay, we want to serve. Uh, it's great to serve, uh, but we recognize you get fatigue in serving, especially when it's uh, distant and there's no real obvious connection. I mean, unless you've got family or unless we're doing missions work in Haiti, Haiti just seems distant. Uh, but uh, if we have a personal connection, then it, it, it helps us a lot easier in, in terms of serving. But uh, serving, uh, I want to bring a different aspect about serving and how we receive joy in serving and how you can participate in serving and how you can participate in receiving the joy that comes from serving. It's not only serving as in, you know, uh, let me get stuff and give stuff. Uh, often uh, the way we serve is by uh, helping people in a particular season of life. Uh, so all of us have gone through life uh, and experienced certain, uh, you know, memorable moments or challenges that we've gone through where we can help others. So, for instance, uh, maybe, you know, you were a casualty of divorce, but you've gotten through that and uh, you've learned a lot from that process and it was extremely painful for you. Uh, you have a lot to say and you can help others uh, that are in that season where they're coming out of that and they just like, you know, extremely uh, injured and it's just extremely painful uh, you can be a huge blessing uh, to people like that. Uh, in, in that sort of sense, uh, we've all gone through seasons. If you think like, okay, you know, how can I help? Uh, well, in a church this diverse, we all have different gifts and different interests and different things we're better at, and we are able to help others. Uh, a big as aspect is like, are we willing? Do we want to? 
many of you coach uh, kids soccer. You know, you, you, you serve in that capacity. Others of you might have a gift of, you know, music of some sort. And you say, look, you know, I just really would love to help teach somebody how to play a guitar or a, a flute or, you know, whatever. And uh, you just say, I I'd like to serve. Uh, it would give me joy to do that. I I'd like to figure that out and, and find a place. And, and when we do, there's something which is beneficial to us, you know, where we get joy out of it. Now, of course, you can do it as a career or you can do it to make money. But I'm talking about when you do this just because you want to, because you just feel like out of the goodness of your heart, this is the thing that, you know, you want to invest in, in somebody else's life and uh, pass on a little bit uh, of, what, of what you've got. So we do have uh, a different uh, season uh, in our lives and a season where we can serve and help others uh, and pass on some joy. Uh, now, we've also tried to create a culture in our church, which uh, you know, I think we've been reasonably successful at. And the culture is this. We try and ask our teenagers to serve in children's ministry. And many of them do. I mean, many of them are just great at just helping out with the kids, and, and they teach, and uh, they pass on what they got out of children's ministry. And because they're closer in years to the kids, the kids tend to like listen to the teenagers, sometimes a lot better than the teachers, because they think the teenagers are real cool, and they think the teachers are pretty old. You know, it's like, so it's like there, there's, there's, a, there's a place that we all have uh, in serving. Uh, there's, also, there's also a sense where God wants us uh, to serve, but to serve on a spiritual level. Uh, God has said again and again in the Bible where this idea that one generation passes on faith to the next generation, which passes on faith to the next generation, and uh, this is a lot actually more difficult, or we need to be a lot more intentional about it than what meets the eye. Because it's not always that easy to sit down with your kids and talk about Christ and talk about faith. Uh, so it's helpful if, you have, if you're intentional about it, if you say, I really want to do this. Uh, and then you say, well, how do I uh, serve? How do I serve in sense of passing on my faith to the next generation? Uh, how do I do that? Uh, Psalm 78, two, uh, three and verse 2, 3, and 4 says this. I'll read it to you. I will teach, this is God speaking, I will teach you hidden lessons from our past. Stories we have heard and known. Stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord about his power and about his mighty wonders. There's a sense where generationally God is saying, I want you to tell the next generation about what God has done in your lives. And uh, pass on the, the story. Pass on the marvels, the wonders, the mir miraculous. Pass on the biblical stories. Pass them on. Serve uh, by intentionally thinking, how do I pass on the faith? How do I give that to the, to the next generation? How do I... Uh, serve in this capacity. You know, when we able to figure out how God has wired us, what it is that we can share, how we can serve, how we can love somebody else and invest in somebody else's life, there's something which is rich and rewarding 
for us in doing that. And it's a totally uh, opposite when we do it out of guilt or we're doing it because somebody's forcing us to do it. We do it out of resentment. Uh, that just like doesn't work. It gets old. You get irritated. You get irritated with the person that's asking you to serve. But when you can press in and serve because you want to and because you feel like God is asking you to do it, it's really, it's really a different blessing altogether. Now, some of the mechanics of this thing can really mess us up. When we try and mentor somebody uh, or try and help or try and serve somebody, uh, it's important that we're kind of on the same wavelength when we do this. Uh, we, 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 we really need to make sure that the person that wants to be like we want to help uh, wants the help that we want to give them. I mean, you know, this can work both ways. Sometimes we can be more eager to serve and help somebody than somebody wants to hear about and receive it. And that can be pretty frustrating. Like you like, you know, prepare and you get all ready and you put the time aside and the person like, ah, something good on TV. I, you know, I don't think I'll show up today. And you're just like, what? You know, I'm like busting my chops here for you. And, and you're like, so it's kind of, it's kind of important if we, can, if we want to serve is to try and make sure what are we trying to offer and what the person is trying to, re, you know, wants to receive, line up. So when we're passing on faith, you know, one of the things that we want to do often is we want to pass on our knowledge uh, of the Bible or of God to, you know, somebody, uh, do a Bible study or uh, talk to your kids or something. But really what your kids want is like something totally different. They, they might like want wisdom. I mean, they might like, how did you do this? Like, you know, you were in my predicament. How did you figure out what career to go on? They weren't, they're not that interested necessarily in doing a Bible study. They, 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 they got some practical problem that they're asking, like, how did you do that? And so if you hit them with a Bible study, they're like, eh, disconnect. Uh, so it's important to ask somebody, like, okay, if I'm going to help you, what is it that you think this is going to look like? Or, and then you might find out that the person, like, actually doesn't want wisdom, they don't want Bible study, they might want friendship. Uh, and you say, okay, well, if it's friendship, maybe that's not what you're offering. Or maybe the, the, you know, the person uh, is trying to connect with you, and then you realize, wait a minute, what they really need is like inner healing. They need somebody to pray for them. I mean, they got like scars. They're like being hurt. And the last thing they want is Bible study. They don't want like, you know, 10 truths. They want you to like just pray for them. And so, again, it, it's helpful to... Try and figure out when you're trying to help, when you're trying to serve, when you're trying to make a difference in somebody's life, in the church, uh, that both sides get met. You figure out who you are and what you've got to offer, and will it be received uh, by the person on the other end? Uh, is, that what, is that what they want? So let me just uh, say, my, my point that I want to make today is this. Uh, we do experience joy when we serve and we can do it in the spirit of the way God would have us do it, the way Jesus served and the way Jesus wants us to serve. Or let me say it this way, that God has wired us in a certain way that when we serve, He gives us joy. And it's, a, it's counterintuitive. Uh, maybe saying it a little, little differently, <clears throat> We hear a lot about how do we improve our standard of living. 
And there's a lot of advice on how to improve your standard of living. And there's a lot of focus on how to improve your standard of living. But maybe it's a different focus, and the focus might be a standard for living. Can we pass on to our kids <clears throat> a standard for living? Instead of just like, okay, how do I improve your standard of living? Like, how do you get more and, you know, acquire more and improve more? Can we pass on a standard for living? Can we pass on God's standard for living that will actually provide a lot more joy than the standard of living? Uh, it's counterintuitive because what we intuitively think is if we improve our standard of living, we're just going to be super happy and it'll be just really great. What God is saying, if we grasp the standard for living, His standard for living, uh, we will receive a certain amount of joy that is from the Lord. So uh, let me just uh, open up uh, with prayer, and I actually want to pray a verse here from Isaiah 55:11. God says this. He says, "My word, with my word, I send it out, and it always produces fruit." It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. So, Jesus, I just ask that as I preach your word, uh, this indeed would be the case today, that uh, you would send it out. It will uh, accomplish what you want it to accomplish, and uh, Lord, it will do what it is that you want to do. So, I just invite your Holy Spirit to be here, to uh, give me the words you want me to say, and uh, Lord, for each person sitting here today, that they'd be able to take home something significant about what you want to say to them, that you would give them a measure of joy and uh, a connection of who you are and your love for them. In your name, Jesus. Amen. I've uh, been working through the book of Philippians, and uh, today I want to read uh, a few uh, verses which aren't exactly next to each other, but have the same idea of serving, uh, the Apostle Paul writing this letter, uh, talking about serving and talking about joy. So if you have a, a Bible, <clears throat> excuse me, and you like to mark it or write up in it or, you know, um, open up your Bible to Philippians uh, chapter 2, and I want to read verse 3 and uh, maybe verse 4. It says this, it says, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble, think of others as better than yourselves, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And then in verse 17, it says this, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. Uh, you know, so pretty quickly, Paul gets into something quite heavy. You know, okay, I'm pouring out my life. Uh, but uh, as we back up to the beginning of that verse, don't be selfish. 
okay, that's sort of like, you know, telling your kindergarten, don't be selfish, but I want all the toys, you know, like I want them, it's mine. Yeah, well, we need to be reminded, don't be selfish, but don't try and impress others. There's a sense here where God is saying, if we left to our natural resources, it becomes all about us. It's about us building our lives and our empire, and, you know, we need more, and, and quite honestly, we never get enough. I mean, you can have a lot, you still want more. It, it can be very, it's very easy, it's very natural, it's very normal for us to become very self-centered, self-focused, and selfish. And Paul is just kind of reminding us of something pretty basic. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. I just love that one. Be humble. You know, it's like, okay, let's think about that. Uh, how are you doing with your humble factor? You think, man, I'm, I'm doing pretty well on that. I, I'm... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it just like doesn't resonate, right? I, yeah, I'm a pretty humble guy. I'm feeling, yeah, I'm feeling, I'm doing good on the humbles. <laughs> it's like, uh, as soon as you say it, you're just like busted. It's like, okay, I'm okay. I can't even mention it aloud. It's like, you know, be humble. Okay, you can sort of whisper it to yourself. Okay, be humble. <laughs> All right. But you, you, you kind of, it, it's kind of a cool thing because you get the gist of what Paul is saying. It's like, wait a bit, this is so counterintuitive. Like to be humble and to Make that like a virtue, like I'm going to strive to be humble and I can't actually think about it because as soon as I think about it, I failed. And, you know, it, there's something mysterious about it, but it's something good about it. It's, it's something good where we take on an attitude of humility. And then this is just so balanced. It says thinking of others as better than yourselves. I mean, that, that is just like, that's actually not balanced. That's like supernatural. I mean, it's like think of others more than thinking of yourself. That, that's not normal. But the next verse, it says, don't look out only for your own interests. So, you know, the Apostle Paul is acknowledging, you're going to be looking out for your own interests. That's quite normal. Uh, that's okay. You, you should be looking out for yourself, but not only your own interests. But take an interest in others too. Take an interest in others too. Uh, it's not... <laughs> It's just not that natural, excuse me, and it's just not that normal for people uh, to really uh, say, yeah, I want to take an interest in others. Uh, you might normally want to take an interest in your own family or your own grandkids or, you know, and you can consume all your time on yourself and on your own needs. It's, but God is saying, don't consume all your time on your own needs. Do take some time and serve others. There's a certain amount of joy that you're going to receive out of this. So if you're filling in your bulletin insert, uh, the point that I'm trying to make here is it's counterintuitive. It's just counterintuitive that by serving others, helping others, by giving and by sacrificing, you're going to receive joy. Uh, the, the intuitive thing is, it's all about me. You know, let me go out to another great restaurant. Let me get a better pay increase. Uh, let me buy some more stuff. Let me do a better vacation. Let me spend some more time on myself. That is totally normal. And that's like the Apostle Paul is saying, it's okay to a point. But make space to also serve and to also help and to also think of others more than yourself. Uh, there's a joy that we receive uh, when we do that. Uh, practically speaking, uh, you know, as a church, as I said, this church is really is filled with a lot of people that serve 
a lot. Uh, and uh, it's quite remarkable how people serve in this church. But what is often a little bit of a mystery when people are new or just joining the church or just coming in, it's like, how do I you know, get in? How do I serve? And, and, and can anybody serve any old where? You know, how does this all work? So you know, what we try and do here at the church is we say mostly we're interested in who you are as a person. Uh, I'm not really interested in like trying to use you or get you to serve to the point where you get exhausted. Uh, I mean, that's unfortunately happens pretty easily. Uh, so what I am trying to do is have a healthy balance where uh, you can serve, but you don't get totally taken out in your serving. Like you get life, you get given life in serving, uh, not just give, 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 and then you're just drained and you're just empty and, you know, no. Uh, so the way we do it here, and it's nothing super, uh, you know, special, I don't think, the way we do it, but I just put some language to it. Uh, if you knew, I just say, just come along, just join, just do what you're doing. Come on Sunday morning without any sense of obligation. Nobody's going to be hunting you down to, uh, to do stuff. Uh, decide whether this is, you know, your tribe. Do you want to belong to this tribe? I mean, is this like, uh, you, you know, uh, do you think you fit in here? Is this, is this where you're meeting God? And, and, and when you have, if that, that works for you, then you do want to start asking the question, like, yeah, how do I get involved? You know, what's the next step? And, and so I encourage people to do what I call 101. Uh, it's a chance to just meet with me and I talk about how we got here as a vineyard and where we're going as a vineyard and what our values are and, and what it means to belong to this, you know, this tribe. Uh, and uh, you can ask questions and, and that sort of thing. And then uh, after that, once you've done 101 and once you said, you know, yeah, this is my church. I, I want to be part of this church. Then what I try and encourage people to do is... I don't know, it's like rocket science, 201. I mean, it's just like so imaginative, these titles we come up with. And 201, uh, Bernadette runs that class, and, and what she's trying to figure out is, how has God like, made you? What is your gift, your natural gift mix? Or should I say, your God-given gift mix? Uh, what is it that gives you joy, uh, and how can you use that and serve in that capacity? Now, you know, sometimes this is not rocket science. You're like, you've got like worship all over you. You're a musician. It's like, yeah, duh. I think, okay, like connect with Brian and the worship team. But other times it's more like obscure. You know, you like might have a gift of helps or prophetic gifting. And it's like, okay, I'm not quite sure what does that look like practically. And then Bernadette is trying to match up what your gifting is with what the needs are in the church and see if there's some way we can make a fit. Uh, but often, uh, people find this out by trial and error. Like you say, okay, I'll serve in this for a while. I'll, I'll help out with serving coffee. Uh, you know, if you're gregarious by nature and you're a people person, uh, maybe we'll have Bernadette put you on the worship, I mean, on the welcome team. Uh, if you like kids and, uh, you know, you've got the right sort of connection and commitment to kids, then maybe you should try and assist and serve in that capacity. Or, Sometimes just trial and error. Uh, you don't really know. Uh, sometimes you feel like you've got a great teaching gift, and you might think, you know, I'm going to teach adults. And then you find, okay, there's not a whole lot of adults that want your teaching, or uh, maybe you have to teach teenagers or something you, you might be stretched to. But trial and error, trial and error. And as you do it, you start realizing, okay, this gives uh, meaning to me, and it gives life, and I have a sense where I'm serving 
not just the church, but you're, I'm serving Jesus. And as you're doing that, there's a sense of joy that you receive. I mean, it, it, you know, it really is a big deal that you don't get burnt out. Uh, it really is a big deal that you don't get hurt by the church. Because, and, and I say this with, you know, great like sort of trepidation, because I know that many of you have been hurt by the church, and I know that it's very easy for me to hurt you in the church. I mean, it's very easy to have miscommunications or to overextend or for people not to feel like they, you know, they just didn't get appreciated. It's just, this is a touchy subject. It's, there's a lot to this. But uh, one of the ways of, of really getting this is maybe the second point in your bulletin outline. If the first point is uh, it's counterintuitive, <laughs> the second point shouldn't be that uh, mysterious. It's rooted in pleasing Jesus. Uh, you see, if you start trying to please yourself or trying to please me or trying to please somebody that's putting pressure on you, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fall short. But if, on the other hand, your motive is to please Jesus, a whole different scenario starts happening. Now you're doing it and you're getting a joy from doing it because you're doing it for the Lord. If you're not doing it for the Lord, let me give you some sort of red flags. One of the red flags would be, you know, Rob, you just never thank me. Uh, well, true, I should thank you and it's my, da- it's my bad. I really should thank you if you serve. But if that's sort of coming up in your head a lot, you might want to just think, like, am I trying to please you, Rob, or am I trying to please Jesus? Because uh, if you're trying to please the Lord, you won't need a whole lot of thank you from me. Uh, or you might say, you know, I do all this work and I never get any recognition for it. You never mention my name. You never bring me up on the stage. You don't write me any thank you letters. And, and I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah. I don't. You're right. Uh, you need to do it for the Lord. And, uh, you know, we did a, we did a, a campaign uh, for, for facility, and it's sort of gone nowhere. Uh, it just like isn't a, a better place for us to move, and now the thing has kind of gone dormant. We haven't, we're not, that we're not looking. It's just like it's, it just seems like it's, we're looking for something that doesn't exist. And, and many of you gave a significant amount of money, you know, and it's like, Rob, how come you didn't like, phone me up and take me out for dinner and thank me and send a letter. It's like, I gave a significant amount of money. And, and just like, you, you just get like nothing, like not even a, a text message, not, nothing. No, nothing. You're right, no, nothing. I mean, I know I'm bad at this. It's like, I should. I should send you roses and thank you. and like. But you're doing it for Jesus. And if you are, there's a certain like, okay, I, my, I'm getting my kick from Jesus. I, it's my joy is in Jesus. Uh, and if you're not, they, it's like, okay, I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting frustrated with Rob. I'm getting frustrated with that. Yeah, it, it's, the kingdom of God is a weird thing. It's upside down. It's the joy that the Lord gives us. And if we start leaning heavily, looking for the joy that Rob gives us, it's always going to be lacking. I mean, it's just a, there's no songs written like the joy in, you know, the, there's joy in the Lord, no joy in Rob. It just doesn't work that way. All right. Uh, let's just put this in context. This is, Paul writing about, like, it's such a joy, and I'm going to pour out my life for the Lord. Just think of his standard of living for a moment, sitting in a prison cell. I mean, none of us would say, Paul, 
I just so envy your standard of living. Paul, I just want a house like you got, prison cell. You know, I just want a car like you driving. Yeah, nothing. doesn't even have a donkey. You know, it's like nothing. It's like he's got no goods. He's got no possessions. And Paul is saying, I just experienced this incredible joy. I mean, if there's not like a real supernatural mystery that somebody can sit in a jail cell and write again and again how he's experiencing joy. I'm experiencing joy. This is so joyful. It's like, wait a bit. How is that possible? And the whole reason why this letter of Philippians is such a popular letter for us as believers is because we can read it again and again and again. And every time our life situation really just is hurting, we can read this thing and say, man, we can get joy. There's no situation that we can find ourselves in. You know, we can be overworked with our parents. We can overwork with our kids. We can be overworked with medical issues. But we can still experience God's joy. And we need to experience God's joy. And you know what? It needs to come from Jesus himself. It's not going to come from like your spouse or your kids or from me. or from, it's, It needs to come from Jesus. It needs to be an authentic thing where, you know, in your deepest, darkest hour when you're hurting, you can get on your knees, you can pray, and you can sense that God is speaking to you and encouraging you and lifting you up and giving you a sense of hope. Uh, when, you, when you do that, you can, like Paul, say, I am experiencing a sense of joy even though my circumstances stink. It's really, that is the mystery uh, of the gospel. It's a supernatural, it's a supernatural joy. Uh, you know, even more so, let me just, again, just drill down a little bit contextually. Uh, the Roman emperor Nero is saying, you need to worship me. You need to call me Lord, and you need to call me Savior. And this is what is being pushed on the Romans. And Paul is saying, no, I'm going to call Jesus Lord and Jesus my Savior. This was like revolutionary language. You know, this was, you were going against the establishment. You were going against uh, what would create peace in, 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 that, in that particular place. But Paul is saying, no, I'm going to resist what's wrong, and I'm going to put God first, and I'm going to lift Him up to His rightful place. He is the Lord, and He is my Savior, and it's in Him that I'm going to find peace, and it's Him that I'm going to worship. I'm not going to worship the system. I'm not going to worship the emperor. I'm not going to put my hope in you know the politics working out for my favor. He's saying, no ways. I'm going to... Put my hope in the Lord. It's, a, it's an interesting circumstance when you think of what Paul is going through, where he is, and what he's saying. Because when you put it in context, it's like his words are really powerful. And you read this letter and you hear how many times he's saying, you know, it's pure joy and it's joyful and I want your joy. I want your joy to be complete and I'm experiencing joy. And you think of what he's going through, it's very hopeful for you and for me. Because we too can access that joy despite our circumstances. And again, in the upside-down kingdom of God, it seems like God, I won't say enjoys us having difficulties, but I will say this, He enjoys when we're in difficulties that we lean on Him, as opposed to leaning on our bank accounts or leaning on our own ability. And those that can lean on their own ability 
often have a harder time accessing God's love and God's ability to speak into their lives. It's the poor, it's the desperate, it's the destitute that throughout time have been able to access God and God's love and because they cry out to God readily. It's not like, okay, when I've tried everything else, then I'll try Jesus. It's like they don't have anything else to try. It's like I just tried Jesus straight out. And God is saying he likes that. He likes it when we are desperate for him. And we say, God, my situation needs a miracle. And God's like starting to smile. He's saying, hello, that's what I do. I'm in the miracle business. Hello, finally you're asking. Finally you're dependent on me. And we say, but I hate being dependent on you. I like being selfish. I like being independent. I like being in control. And God says, so do I. And I'm Lord and you're not. So lean on me. And you're like, I don't like leaning on you. I don't like even asking you. God's saying, I like it when you ask me. It's called prayer. Just ask and ask and expect that I'm going to move in your life and ask me for wisdom and ask me to do the impossible. And, you know, when God does, we're so thankful. We're so grateful when God changes our circumstance, when he breaks through. And God is saying he wants to do that. I want to finish this with a, another section here to just sort of emphasize the third point I'm trying to make, that joy, this whole idea of joy, it is supernatural. This is not something we can work up. It's not something we can make up. It's not something that happens by memorizing a Bible verse. It is something that happens that we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to invite the Spirit of God to be present and in our lives. And we need to do whatever we can to like follow Jesus or to be like Jesus. So look what it says here uh, in this section in Philippians chapter 2. I'll, I'll just close with this. Verse 5. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Okay, there's a ridiculously supernatural statement. It doesn't say you need to have more or less kind of the same attitude that Jesus had. Or, you know, when you're feeling really spiritually up, you know, act a little bit sort of like Jesus. Uh, you know, it's saying you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And I'll make it straight away we're like, time out. I can't do that. How do you mean I have the attitude? And then look what that attitude is. I'm going to read it. it. It's really like awesome. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. I mean, you're talking about the two extremes. Jesus is saying he took on the position as a slave. You know, being the creator of the universe, the most lofty position you could ever imagine, to becoming a servant slave. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took up the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
Lord Jesus, I just uh, pray and I just say, Lord, uh, that is supernatural. Uh, Lord, there is absolutely nothing in us that wants to lay our lives down uh, in this sort of capacity the way you did, the way Paul did, the apostle. And so, Lord, uh, I just pray that you would infuse in us, you know, some attribute where we have a desire uh, to be like Jesus. Father, I just pray that uh, you would put it in us. Let your Holy Spirit stir us from within, that we love others, that we desire to serve others, and that we, in some way, can do exactly what this verse, these verses are saying, Lord, that we can be like you, Jesus. Fill us again, Lord, with your Spirit. Give us your faith to see that you will get us out of our circumstances. Let us be like the Apostle Paul and say, yeah, we're willing to risk it all, to lay it down, to live the way you want us to live. That we want to please you no matter what. And Lord, as we do so, we know that you give us incredible joy. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to have uh, Brian and the worship team come on up and when we close out with some worship and then we'll end with uh, some time to uh, respond in, for those who would like prayer and I'll, I'll come back up and we'll, we'll do that. Why don't you stand and let's, uh, and let's worship together.